0: to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship. I'm Jeremy Lee and with me this time is is my really not just sarcastic enthusiastic sidekick. He he really is enthusiastic now. He came he came this week with an attitude of he's ready to go ready to talk hey Jamie Matthew <laughs> last week we began a, a, a hypothetical festivus episode uh, wherein we began talking about book bands so today I'm just going to reread the quotes I did at the beginning but before I do that I just want to remind you that last time we talked about one of the problems we have is that we have no shared morality as a country anymore. And that that is really what's creating the problem of banned books. And that's something that needs to be addressed. We also brought up, but didn't solve, the problem of how do we live peaceably with all men and yet remain steadfast in our convictions. And this is true for both sides, those who believe that these LGBT Books should be in classrooms and should be there to help children who are struggling through these issues, and also Christians who believe that this is an area of immorality that children need to be protected from, uh, not exposed to. So, uh, we talked about the fact that we don't have a shared morality. And again, to, just as a reminder, Uh, We're looking at a study that was done recently by Penn, an organization that works against the banning of books, which in most cases I'm opposed to. I say most cases, I'm okay with it when parents don't want their children watching or seeing certain things, and we'll talk more in depth about that today. The reason we're focused on LGBTQ especially is because the Majority of the books that are challenged for use in either public libraries or public school libraries or in the curriculum are books dealing with LGBTQ issues. There's also books that deal with critical race theory, promoting critical race theory, but we're really focused on uh, the LGBTQ issue because honestly, the books that have to do with critical race theory would be more of an argument about critical race theory not about we're fine with books that show different cultures uh, that encourage diversity in that way we're fine with books that have characters who are black or asian or some other minority in our country we're fine with all that stuff Uh, we're not really fine with promoting crt uh, but that's too big of a subject to talk about so the, the main thing, I think, is the, the books that have to do with the promotion of the LGBTQ lifestyle. So let me read the quotes, and what we're doing is talking about what's wrong with these quotes and why we have a problem with this report and, and the whole idea of book banning and things like that. Although this report paints a deeply concerning picture for access to literature, and diverse literature in particular, in schools in the coming school year. Book banning and educational gag orders are two fronts in an all-out war on education and the open discussion and debate of ideas in America. Students have First Amendment rights to access information and ideas in schools, and these bans and legislative shifts pose clear threats to those rights. I'm going to skip the rest of it and move on to the next one because the next one... Deals with the same issue. Again, this is uh, the second quote is under the context of parental rights. While parents and guardians ought to be partners with educators in their children's education, and need channels from communicating with school administrators, teachers, and librarians, particularly concerning the education of their own children. Public schools are by design supposed to rely on the expertise, ethics, and discretion of educational professionals to make decisions. In too many places, today's political rhetoric of parents' rights is being weaponized to undermine, intimidate, and chill the practices of these professionals with potential, potentially profound impacts on how students learn and access ideas and information in schools. So today, we're gonna, there's two things we're going to focus on. Uh, For sure, and we'll probably come up with more as we talk. One of the issues in these two quotes and with the report in general is that these quotes in the report talk about students' rights as if they're absolute, and yet parental rights as if they're underneath students' rights and the expertise of the educators'. We already pointed out in the last episode the fact, the problematic fact that it, this article seems to imply that parents are partners with educators <laughs> rather than educators being partners with parents in educating their children. But throughout the article, again and again, students' rights are are always <laughs> they they seem to be absolute that students have a right to this to lgbt literature that promotes the lgbtq lifestyle and and that there should be no limits whatsoever on that unless of course the experts in the education establishment deem it not helpful and and it really is taking away parents rights and they even talk about parental rights as if when somebody brings it up it's just a weapon to destroy education. So you can hear the underlying assumptions there that students and the educators are first in the hierarchy and the parents are underneath that. I think this is completely backwards. Matthew shaking his head, "Yes. First of all, God has given parents children. He he gives husband and wives children that husband and wife are a family who are and they are to raise their children together under the lordship of christ children are commanded to honor your, their father and mother they're to obey their father and mother in the old testament and the new testament these are these are repeated this command to honor your honor and obey your father and mother there's no such commandment for Educators <laughs> Neither is there a commandment That children have rights to do things That their parents have no say about uh, This is foreign To Christianity It's not foreign To the secularism of our day Progressive liberalism Of our day either Which are basically the same things Parental rights Supersede students' rights And and So and the educators then are to to serve and support the parents in educating their children. So one of the problems we see in this is that all all of this is, is backwards. You're just supposed to it's as if you're just supposed to leave your children to the experts and the experts say that sexual diversity is a good thing that ought to be promoted to everyone no matter their age and it doesn't matter the content of the book it ought to be promoted to them because we are the experts and you parents yes you got to co- your <laughs> cooperation seems to mean you do what we say and everything will be okay um it blows my mind <laughs> That this is stated almost so, so as plainly it is as it is, you would think they would want to keep tone that down a little bit so people wouldn't see uh, what they're trying to do and really undermine uh, the authority and rights of parents to raise and educate their own children with the values that they believe in. There's deep, deep problems there. It's not that we don't believe in students' rights in some sense but we don't believe in an absolute right of students to have access to whatever literature they want we don't let our kids watch whatever they want at home we don't let them read whatever they want at home we don't let them eat whatever they want at home <laughs> we we have some control over that until until they're mature enough to make those decisions on their own and hopefully we've taught them well enough to be wise to stay to stay away from them the education establishment ought to be supporting that and not undermining it and what's happening when they're promoting these these kind of books it's undermining parental authority and parental rights so, Anyway, I've talked long enough. It's time for Matthew to have to say.
1: I think ultimately the books wouldn't be – there are elements in which the books wouldn't be so bad if you didn't have the underlying understanding that this isn't simply an educator seeking to assist a parent in causing their children to learn and mature. But rather what it seems to be is that these are – this is – an educator seeking to indoctrinate their children into a way of thinking that most, a lot of times, runs directly against the grain of what the parent is seeking to, how the parent is seeking to raise the child. And so you have a sense of a battle over indoctrination as opposed to simply providing information. Because, and so ultimately in that debate the parent has to win it's the parents that get to determine the to some degree the indoctrination of their children the so parents have a response we would argue the parents have a responsibility to indoctrinate their children i don't in- like the word indoctrinate but i understand to they <laughs> to to instruct their children to conformity to to what God, God has called us to in all aspects of life. And so that I think that's one of the places where you have this struggle. And then just on the student right aspect, while students have some rights, I think fundamentally on a philosophical level, what you have occurring is we have age children quicker than we should have. And so we treat children, as opposed to treating children as children, children are now viewed as simply small adults. And so, therefore, they have all the rights of their parents, and so you can actually read some progressive literature. That's their basic argument.
0: Right, because they they promote a children's bill of rights and things like that, which then inserts the government in between the parents and their children and what's happening here because the schools are public schools you are inserting the government in between the child and the parent and and the government is holding a lot of sway because they spend a lot of hours in school um this stems back from the fact that we don't have a shared morality right if we had a shared morality then it would be easier to cooperate right but the problem is the lack of shared morality. remember the study is trying to say that the the effects are harmful, and the reality is the only thing that happens is is that kids then aren't allowed access, they aren't allowed to learn. but who who do these bans affect? okay let let's think about that. The parents who don't want their children to learn them. Don't, don't want children exposed to these ideas being promoted. It's not because the LGBT lifestyle is such a prominent thing today, parents can't go without saying something about it. But there's a difference between knowing a little bit about it and it being promoted. And what's happening in these books, we all know, is that this lifestyle is being promoted as equal to a heterosexual lifestyle or a heterosexual marriage. They're all the same. Diversity is good. That's what's happening, okay? So parents who are opposed to these books are already not letting their children have them, right? Right. And if they're banned, they're not going to have them. But the parents who support the morality of the schools that are banning these books... If they support the school and the morality, they're going to have access, right? Right. Because their parents will get it for them. If the parents are all good with it, then the parents will be fine with getting them the book themselves. So what's the problem? <laughs> you, The people that want the book have access to it. The people that don't want the book don't have access to it. A so more conservative approach would be to say, we're not going to have these books so that these children aren't exposed to these things. But the children that want them and their the parents that want their children to have them will get them for it. Nobody really loses out. Right? Right. The problem is they want the kids that can't see it to be able to see it. That's the kids that they're worried about. They want the kids whose parents are opposed to the books to be exposed to the books because they're promoting this lifestyle. This isn't about people who are already on board with them. It's about people who aren't on board with them. The whole project that that they're using these books and the educators that are putting there, it's promotion of this lifestyle. To people who are resistant to it the goal is to undermine the parents authority and the parents role in the education of their ch- own children their education whether it's whether it's knowledge that they need to know or whether it's morality they're trying to intervene in the parental role because they want this stuff promoted to children that um, wouldn't find it uh, would have problems. At home uh, with, with this stuff If that makes sense It's a big problem This isn't, again, the article The study Makes it sound like they want n- neutrality <laughs> I don't think They want neutrality On these issues Their Their goal Their purpose Is to promote sexual diversity Whether the parents are for it or against it Now they want the parents to be for it But if they're against it They're still going to promote it because they want to inculcate these ideas uh, to children. They're wanting these ideas promoted, so they're they're undermining the parental relationship. And now I'm repeating myself and rambling.
1: I think the way we can summarize this is that educators have a responsibility from our perspective to assist in the education of children. What is happening here and where the struggle comes is that they're not seeking to assist in the education, but rather they are engaging in promotion or to go even stronger the indoctrination of a particular ideological worldview that runs against the parental wishes. And ultimately, we would argue that the parental wishes, the parents, have the responsibility to determine what their child learns. And that's where the struggle is. And as like Jeremy said, that's that's the the crux is if you want to find out, if you if you want your kid to know this, you can do it. Because ultimately, I don't know if we'll get there or not, but just bluntly, the whole book banning Jeremy and I talked about this before, the whole idea about book banning, just using the word ban is just a really dumb word. Right. Honest because, because
0: they're still available. Right.
1: Because, like we talked about, we talked about it in the last episode, and just say it again now. You can still get the books. It's not like you can't find them. It's it's more of a. I think ultimately, what it is is there are parents who deem it inappropriate at the inappropriate and. The, this organization, this study is basically saying, for, trying to argue from a neutrality standpoint, that how dare you say that something's inappropriate because you don't have the moral standing to determine whether it's inappropriate because you don't have the, the, the training that You're we have. You're not an expert. Right.
0: And same it, thing we heard with COVID. Right. It, it gets, into, the, it gets into
1: this whole argument, ultimately, which we're, we, won't, we won't go down the rabbit trail, but just the whole expert class and all of this idea and that... Ultimately, though, just to reiterate, parents have the responsibility to raise their children how God has called them to, and that's bottom line.
0: Right, and and what you said about banned books and calling banned books is real stupid because one of the things that happens when they do the banned books week is libraries will put out a list of the banned books with a link so you can go buy them. (laughs) Yeah. And if you go to the library on that week, guess is guess what is in the front. Just as you walk in the library, banned books. I'm real having trouble trying to determine what a banned book is. <laughs> because it seems to me they're available everywhere. Does banned just mean you can't get them for free that you have to pay for them? Now, this the report actually does have a definition of banned books, okay? And they recognize this this it's not that they're absolutely banned, okay, but it I still struggle every time I see these because you're literally providing links to the books, and when I go to the library, they have a display with all the books available. <laughs> How are they banned exactly. is, is it banned because somebody brought up a question about it? <laughs> And and one book that you'll never see on that is when Harry met Sally because they don't care about that book. When They're Harry perfectly be, when Harry became when Sal. Harry became Sally. Thank you. The other one they'll have that. Yes, but <laughs> when Harry became Sally is never on any of these lists right. of banned books. Now, granted, it's not by the government, but do you, look, I can't remember the title of the one book that they said is the most banned book, but it's something with queer in oh the it's title. gender gender queer it's gender the queer of, it's yeah it's title of the book yeah if, if Amazon banned gender queer the same people that aren't upset about when Harry became Sally would be upset about it if the only place was Amazon there aren't really banned books okay right the books are available they may not be accessible to children and some Matthew and I believe rightly so not everything should be available to children. Right. And ha- Now, the problem is, as we've been talking about, how do you determine that? Who gets to decide? The third thing, I think, is a problem, and this should be brief, is I, I'm against the government banning books, period. I'm against, I'm against censorship, whatever it is. But I don't, again, I don't believe that means that everything should be available to minors, Right. One of the problems is, is that public libraries and public schools, if the books have to be banned, who's doing the banning? The government. So I think one of the problems that we're having is the government's involved in everything. What if the way to live peacefully with other people would be not to have government-funded schools or government-run schools so that the teachers and librarians at the school aren't government employees? And then parents and administrators can work together to make the best choice for the people that want to be educated there. What if we somehow funded libraries differently so it wasn't a government decision on who's buying books at the library? I don't have all the answers about how to do this. But part of the problem is the government involvement in every Aspect of our lives. I agree, the government shouldn't be censoring these things. But everybody, even even people who are okay with LGBTQ lifestyle, there are things that they wouldn't want children becoming involved with. There are books that they would want banned, and when Harry became Sally, might be one of them. So how, how do you how do you deal with that? These disagreements about morality, without having the government always in there. And right now, it's. You know, it's government-run schools, government-run libraries. I don't have the an- all the answers, but it's clearly a problem, and it's a problem. There are solutions. There are, there are ways of doing things so the government's not not running and funding absolutely everything under the sun. It may just take some creativity to do that. And then, you know, if you want your child to go to a school that promotes sexual diversity then by all means send them but if you don't want to then you you wouldn't be forced to send them um anyway i don't want to i don't have answers but i i think this is a i think this is a big problem i would i think it is a problem i
1: think it also speaks to just broadly two more cat two caveats one I think it, this also speaks to this is another example, rather, of how the politicalization of everything has begun to affect things because we view everything through a political lens as opposed to through a moral lens, which causes the that what we talked about in the last episode. So, so I think the, some of that's in in here. The other piece is just to think this part through. I think we need to also think through that while there are books that would not be appropriate and the fact that you have people seeking to make them appropriate and that's where the argument comes. At the same time, I think we have a responsibility to understand and expose children at the appropriate time to alternative View so that they can understand them, and so right. in other words what i'm saying is if if we're seeking to do the book bans because you're seeking to create bubble environment <laughs> then right. that's that's just as much of a problem as seeking to every all the things we've talked about with the morality questions and the educators seeking to replace parents and all that both of them are not good right and so I think those are just the two caveats that we need to make sure we think through that we, we're we seeking to, while we're seeking to raise children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, how God has called us to, one of the things that requires of us is to in appropriate ways expose them to worldviews and then explain to them why this isn't right and why how people th- think this way, why they think this way, and how we think and how and explain it to them so that they can have an understanding and a grasp as opposed to simply saying don't do that don't think that way right. and then they go out there and the arguments from the other side sound appealing because they've never been
0: exposed to it right and right we're not we're not trying to say they never should have right. anything to do with these things it, it's a matter of maturity and when correct. should they see it right six years old you probably shouldn't be exposing them correct to those kind of ideas right and but at 16 and 17 they already know <laughs> right so then I wouldn't be opposed then for children at that age to be a- be able to read some of this material but in the context where they've also learned, the Christian point of Correct. view. Because we really do believe in understanding. That's why I said at, at the beginning it's it's really bad to just be opposed to a book that you got an email about and mm-hmm. it just had a few clips in it and you're appalled by it and you've never actually read the book yourself to go try to promote it being taken away. You need to have an idea, you need to read it yourself and have an idea of what's going on so that you at least honestly engage with the ideas that the author's presenting. And this can be, it ought to be something that we're encouraging with our children. We don't want to just build an echo chamber where they only hear what they already believe. They need to be exposed to other ideas and things like that. The question is age appropriate right. and And those kind of ideas. We are not trying to make a bubble or put our children down in a bunker and pretend that the world around us doesn't exist. That's not the goal and that ought not be the goal. But there there should be (laughs) parental involvement, moral training along the way. And then when they reach the maturity where they can engage with those ideas, then then they can be exposed to those ideas. So, again, even, even at this, we're not saying absolutely no child should ever read any of those things. Right. right. And just just as an
1: anecdote, as we come to the end, you know that there's a problem when there have been parents who have taken these books to school board meetings and they read the books and they turn the mics off because the content is so graphic that they say it's inappropriate to read it in the school board meeting. And yet these are the same books that are being promoted and pushed, which is ultimately why it's a problem. So as we come to the end, the admonition today is simply this. If you have been granted the blessing of children Take your responsibility seriously. Engage with in their education. Engage to cause them to grow up into the full functioning, understanding adults God has called them to. And ha- happy Festivus. And happy Festivus. So we look forward to hearing your complaints. And you can send them to us. Air your grievances. You can air your grievances in our email. In- our email because we thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to questions, comments, and festivist greetings at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship and like, subscribe, and rate this podcast on whatever service you listen to us on. But for now, we want to thank you once again for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship where we're striving to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.